0: My name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Thank you for coming. Glad you're with us on this Palm Sunday. Well, we're going to um, suspend our study on stewardship, pick it up after Easter, and we're going to concentrate on Christ's coming into Jerusalem, what it means, the expectations that the people had, what he did, and how to prepare for his coming in our lives, even as The disciples had to prepare for his coming into Jerusalem. So turn with me over to the book of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 19. The title of this message is, What God Desires. What God Desires. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Of Jesus it says, after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, (coughs) going up to Jerusalem. And when he approached Bethphage and Bethany Near the mount that is called Olivet He sent two of the disciples Saying, go into the village ahead of you There as you enter You will find a colt on which no one has ever sat Untie it and bring it here Verse 31 If anyone asks you Why are you untying the colt You shall say, the Lord has need of it So those who were sent, went and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? Verse 34, And they said, The Lord has need of it. Father, help us as we study. Background. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And this is the last time he's going to be there. He's doing all he can to try to prep the people about this kingdom he is setting up so that they would have the expectations that are most proper. Yet the people think this Messiah is going to set up a kingdom that is natural in its orientation and not spiritual. And that he's coming to unseat the Roman puppet ruler called Pilate, who was in Jerusalem. And to unseat Herod, who was the Jewish ruler, though he was not Jewish, he was ruler over the Jews. And seat himself in that spot and have a kingdom of unparalleled peace and prosperity whose expansion would not stop until it encompassed the entire earth and whose reign would never end. All the people were excited because Jesus was unlike any prophet they had seen. In everything in the Old Testament, all the prophetic words had pointed to this one here being the Messiah. They were so happy. They were shouting, Hosanna. And throwing their, 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 their coats down on the floor, on the ground. And saying, walk on this because you are not worthy of your feet or your animals' feet to touch the ground. You need to be above it all. Putting palm branches down to make sure when they ran out of coats that he had something to elevate from the earth. Because that was how they thought of him. They were, they were so happy that somebody had been sent to deliver them. Oppression was the order of the day from Rome upon the Jews. The Jews wanted to be free. They didn't want any longer to feel Rome's foot on the back of their neck. Wouldn't let them worship right. Taxed them until they had no more money. Destroyed some of their sacred worship spots. Always oppressing them. Please, God, come and deliver us. And they thought Jesus was this one. And they had it all scripted. Many of the people who were shouting Hosanna and, and, and gathering on the bandwagon had worked for him for a long time. The disciples were right in the mix. They thought this was their moment too. And you know, whenever you work for somebody's campaign, if you will, you work hard enough, you're going to get a job. Everybody around him wasn't just hoping that somehow he would set up a kingdom without them. He would set up the kingdom with them. Remember, the the disciples had a discussion, indeed an argument, about who was going to be the greatest. And they didn't have the guts to go ask Jesus himself, so they said, Mama, could you please go ask him for us? And so James and John's mama came and said, will you please let my son sit one on the right and the left? He said, "Eh, it's really not my call. But if you're able to drink of the cup, we can consider it. And so they were fighting over who and when they came when when the rest of the disciples heard that james and john had been had sent their mama oh they were hot hot and so everybody wanted a spot and though though they had it all scripted out jesus was not going to follow their plan which is standard operating procedure and how he deals with you Amen. and how he deals with me he just isn't too interested in what I think most of the time. I've got a beautiful idea about how my life ought to go. Ah, he just laughs at it. He, has, he takes no, no, no time to review my plans before he considers his. None. And these dear people don't understand as we don't understand that it's not that God wants to destroy your dreams. He wants to exceed them. And your dreams are too small. They're too small. Everything he has done for me is bigger than I ever thought. All I was hoping was someday I could write home to mom and she could be proud that I was pastored a group of people that was 300. Just a nice little church down the road and somehow she could know her boy made good. I had no idea you want to show up. I didn't know you wanna come. I didn't know we'd be doing five services on a Sunday. It's really more than that, but I just limited it to that. I didn't know that. I didn't know we'd be expecting 4,500 people at Easter. I didn't know that. I had some different ideas. My dreams were too small. And it's not that I give my ego stroke by numbers. Don't. Numbers tell you something, but they don't tell you everything. 4,500 people, most of that is just crowd, not disciples crowd are fickle. Fickle. They love you this week. Don't come back the next. Serve Jesus when it's convenient. Give him a tip every now and again when he does something good for him. Crowd's fickle. Fickle. I'm trying to build disciples. Disciples. People that will follow him to the ends of the earth. He hadn't followed me. My plans hadn't literally followed me. Ever, and I'm grateful because He's done exceedingly abundantly what I could ask or think, giving me better friends than I would've chosen for myself, giving me a better wife than I would've chosen for myself. <laughs> like that's off the charts. There's no way to measure that one. Ah, uh, stinking amazing. That's my Cynthia. Amazing. beautiful, anointed. She ends her 23rd year of homeschooling. She educated all those little people that are mine. All seven of them. Educated every one of them. I got one graduate from college, four in college right now. She knows what she's doing. On top of that, instilled character, discipline, kept relationship. Uh stinking Amazing. Exceeded my expectations, exceeded them. And these people had limited God about what they wanted him to do for them. But it still begs a question as to why this story is in the Bible. Now, we read it religiously, and we should. We read it with a sense of holiness because it is within the canon of Scripture, and it's God's word, and we should. But every once in a while, we just need to step back if we want to study well and find out why'd you put that in there? Ask them, what is the purpose of this? Because literally, if you take all of the religious garb off this passage, it would be like me telling a long story about my mission trip to Nigeria and all the things that happened and people who got saved and lives were restored and people got healed. And after a period of six months or so, you hear all the, I come back, and probably in that story, you won't hear a thing about when I got off the plane, I rented a car from Hertz. This donkey is just to rent a car. That's all it is. Once he gets to Jerusalem, he drops it off at the new station. He doesn't ride it again. It's just transportation. That's all it is. If you take all the religious garb off, you... Why are you telling me about your rent-a-car experience again? What has that got to do with anything? Now, when you see a story that begs you to say why it's there, yet it's there in Scripture, that means it's extraordinary. And you got to study it and pull all the the pieces and squeeze as much juice out of this passage as you possibly can. Number one, the parallel passage to this is over in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Where Matthew gives us a, a kind of a more detailed picture as to the significance of having a donkey, Jesus acquiring a donkey. And Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Zechariah prophesies, and this happens to be one of the messianic prophecies that the Messiah would fulfill, saying, Your king would come to you, O Jerusalem, Israel, riding on a donkey. So for the purpose of showing that Jesus fulfilled Old Testament passages that were were talking about what the Messiah would do and be, the writers put this in here. It's important so that there would be confirmation. Secondly, there's probably some metaphorical impact in that we get some lessons on how disciples ought to respond when they can't figure everything out that Jesus told them to do. Because usually his standard operating procedure is to give you just a general idea without any specifics and expect you to obey. We'd like to have all the details. But he just said, go ahead and I'll see you when I get there. Well, when are you coming? Oh, when I get there. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, I told you, go get the donkey. Well, can't you like give me the name of the guy who owns it? You know, that would be a lot better because, like, if I go and start taking the math donkey, you know, I know you said to do it, but, like, I ain't you. and They probably going to put me in jail for stealing. So I'm not real keen. Just FYI, isn't there a better way? Now, they didn't have this conversation with Jesus. But any, any sound man is thinking, you want me to go and steal a donkey? Is that what you're saying? You want me to go and steal a donkey? And the best, the best way for this to happen is if somebody catches me stealing it. That's, that's the best idea you've got of transportation. <laughs> All these things are going through their mind. He just says, go do this. And I mean, you know, they're thinking, well, we've been with him three years. He ain't ever been wrong, but this was a doozy here. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Listen, I will be the lookout. You get the donkey. No, Brian, get the donkey. You get the donkey. No, listen, I almost drowned last week trying to walk on water. You get the donkey. I'm through being a fool. You get the donkey. I mean, these are the conversations these brothers had to have. Walking there thinking, what the, what are we doing? What are we doing? Now, I know all things are his, he's God, but don't we have to ask somebody? He doesn't give you details no details just do what I said he told me in 1982 go to Washington D.C. establish a ministry at Howard University and start a church with a whole bunch of other people and I'll meet you when you get there whenever I show up it'll work what am I supposed to do? figure it out how am I supposed to do it? figure it out with whom am I supposed to do it? is there anybody there laying out a red carpet for me? (laughs) no And like, when are you coming? Soon. His version of soon is different than ours, by the way. (laughs) When he says soon, it's going to take a little bit. No details. Just go do it. And I would love it if he would like show up first and then we do the follow-up. That would be really cool. Like, God has already established His salvation message among people, he's healed marriages, he's gotten kids more right, gotten folk off drugs, folks aren't stealing that used to, folks aren't lying that used to, and now I just show up to pastor this beautiful group of folks. That'd be be wonderful. Just enjoy the harvest. No, 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 no. It's like I have to go and work, and then he shows, he says this, you go and preach this gospel to all the nations, and then I will follow you with signs and wonders. I'll show up afterwards. To these disciples, he says, go ahead of me and do what I say. He always says, go ahead. I would love it if I could come behind. That would be nice. But going ahead requires me to have faith that he's going to do something through me. Rather than me just reaping what he has already done. Now, I must admit. I love being used by God and anything that he does do through me is only his doing because I know what he had to work with in the beginning. There wasn't much here. Everything I am, he's made me. So it's taken me a long time to just to be competent. We're not talking great, just competent. So everything he does is his doing and he gets all the credit. Yet, I told my staff the other day, I said, I really have worked a long time. I kind of like it if God would just show up and do something all by himself. That would be nice. <laughs> all by himself. We just say, Woo! That was amazing, oh God. Every once in a while that happens. Called an awakening. I'm believing for that in our community all of a sudden you're in Giant you're just getting your, your oatmeal and you're in the checkout aisle and somebody just starts bawling right in the checkout aisle and they turn to you and say can you help me please I don't know what's wrong with me but I need God you're over at a restaurant with your wife having a wonderful time with your friend, your coworker, and you hear these people talking about God next to you and they're trying to figure it out And they don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, you hear the conversation. You say, can I help you? Yes, we've been wondering if anybody around this area served God, was in a good church. Awakening. I want the Holy Spirit to do that. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep making disciples. We're going to keep working, keep praying, keep fasting. We're going to keep doing all that we should do. But I want God to do something great out there en masse so that we then can be the benevolent folks that can come and pick up the pieces because there are going to be a lot of folks that are embarrassed for the life they've lived yes, yes. they've made some assertions and some, some bold statements and now they're going to have to repent of most of what they said and did and they don't know where to turn to or where to go conviction is going to fall from almighty God and folks are, ought to know where to turn to and that's where you come in Amen. Jesus just said go ahead and the disciples you know, they, they said okay We've been with him three years, raised the dead, fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Okay, he he, he doesn't make mistakes. He said, go ahead, we're going ahead. And they're walking. They walk into the city and they see this colt, just like he said. Somebody's a lookout. The other guy goes to the colt. Something like this, probably. And they're walking. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Why did you untie my coat? Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, what did he say? I know he said something. He said, said something. They really didn't they probably didn't think this was going to happen. They thought maybe they just get away with the coat. But somebody saw him stealing the coat. And so they're thinking, oh, Lord, he said, he oh, needed it. I, The Lord has need of it. <laughs> you know, just kind of waiting. Did that work? <laughs> Were those the magic words? Oh, okay. Oh, man, that's so cool. It worked just like Jesus said. Dude, that was amazing. I mean, you just said that. He said, okay, and we're walking off with the animal. God, that's great. Yeah, that God's amazing. If you don't do it like he said, you won't come back with a testimony. If you stop because you can't figure it all out, you don't have all the details, you'll come back with a testimony of fear about why you couldn't do what God said. All the reasons, all the problems, all the obstacles. You'll be talking to people about how it wasn't the wisest thing. It just didn't seem to be the most proper. Yet God told you. They came back with a testimony. When they came walking that donkey back, it wasn't just Jesus that met them. Those other ten came to him and said, it worked just like he said. You took the donkey. The owner came out. You said those words, and he let you go? (laughs) Dude's amazing. Everybody benefits from somebody who obeys. Everybody benefits from somebody who obeys. And may I say that this would be a really good week for you to obey like these disciples did. There are a lot of people out there who abound tied to a post have never known freedom and are desperately looking for somebody to untie them so that they might be usable in the hands of God will you be that person they're in your workplace you don't have to look, look far they're in your neighborhood they're, on your, they're the parents of your kids sports teams they're out there they don't even know they're bound They have no idea. They've just been tied to a post for a long time. Their mom and daddies were tied to a post. Their grandparents were tied to a post. All they know is being tied to a post. They're waiting for somebody to untie them and lead them to Jesus. I'm begging you, hear the word of the Lord and find somebody this week and bring them. Bring them to Friday night, bring them to Saturday, bring them to Sunday. Pick or choose all three. And if you don't bring them to church, at least lead them to Jesus in your workplace. Modern day application. You know, I I don't want to force my religion on anybody. I, I just I get into a spiritual argument and I don't have all the verses to justify my position. I'm not a theologian. I'm not trained. I'm not ordained. Nah, I, I don't want to push because it might really damage the relationship and... They need to be untied because the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. God is speaking to you just as he spoke to the disciples. Go find somebody upon whom I can ride into the destiny I have for them. There's a purpose I have them on the planet, and I am to guide them where they ought to go. Go find that one. And you can't use the excuse, I just don't want to, you know, push my religion on anybody. When is it important to push something? When you are sick and you go to the doctor, they push antibiotics on you. The doctor's not ashamed to say, you need to take this erythromycin. You need to take this. And if you come back in two weeks having not taken it, he's going to say, did you take the erythromycin? You say, no. And then he's going to upbraid you and say, do you want a new doctor? Because you are listening to me. When is it important to push something? How sick does somebody have to be for you to explain to them how much God loves them? Do they have to be on their deathbed? Does their marriage have to be falling apart before they ever hear any truth? How sick do they have to be before you will hear from Almighty God? Go ahead of me and untie this one. I'm begging you, do something. You may not have all the verses. You may not have all the scriptures. You may not have all the experience, but you got a story. You may not be as free as you'd like to be, but you are freer than you used to be. And the only way you got that way is because somebody preached this gospel to you and set you free that Jesus might take you to where you need to be. You got a story. You can share that. Or the alternative, leave him bound to that pole. folks out there need help and these disciples represent the folks who can bring healing now when the donkey comes it's interesting, Jesus said this donkey was one upon which no one has ever sat we are not cowboys there's no more wild, wild west but my uncle was a cowboy, meaning he was in the rodeo, my mother's brother. And in the 70s, he was really good at it. He was black cowman of the year for three years running. And so he could wrestle some cattle and ride some, some Broncos. I mean, he was amazing. And he owned a bunch of horses. And he, he, he would tell me <laughs> that you have to break a horse before he's rideable. Because just like you, they don't want anything on their back. So when you climb on, they're trying to get you off. That's a hundred and something pounds of something. That's heavy. Right in the middle of your back. That's heavy. And it's not like they were created to carry you. We have made them carry us. But that's not the purpose they were put on the planet. So the first thing they're going to do when you hop on is buck you right off. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that the way he responds to us, he is so gentle and he is so kind and he is so benevolent and so merciful that when he gets on us, we say it's better than if you weren't. This this beast of burden didn't buck at all. Never had been ridden. And everybody, when he got on it, I promise you, everybody knew that a young colt that has never been ridden always bucks off his rider. And he made it plain. I want that one. You get me the one that has not been ridden. And it was a sign to everybody that when he hopped on the back of that thing, everybody's watching. Uh Uh-oh. He about to get on. He about to get on. Oh, Stand around. Get close. Get close because he might fall. He got on. And that animal la- acted like he'd been there forever. Everybody said, oh my goodness, the animal knows he's God. <laughs> <laughs> the animal, the, do- the jackass knows he's God. I ain't cussing, I ain't cussing. you talking about the animal? The jackass knows he's God. <laughs> 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 that's the beauty of our Lord he takes the burden of sin off that thing that wore us down weighed us down, beat us up and when he rises it's so much lighter it's so much lighter and we get his direction because we didn't know where to go he guides us where we ought to go oh it's so good it's so good. And I come to the conclusion of this message asking everyone who has not yet had the privilege of Jesus riding them, what you're waiting for? You don't know where you're going. And even if you plan where you're going, it's not the proper destination. You're going to be disappointed when you get there. If you will give Jesus Christ the privilege of letting this disciple here untie you today and bring you to Jesus, you'll be so much better off tomorrow. I'm begging you. Let him ride you. He only wants to bless you. That's all he wants to do is to help you get out of your stuff and put you into his. To, To make your life the way he intended it, the way it ought to be, the way it was supposed to be from the beginning, to put you back in proper relationship with him, which will help you in every other relationship you've got. All he wants to do is ride you to the purpose for which you've been created and and in the process make you a testimony to everybody else so that other people can say, You think Jesus will take me to where I need to go? Because I know where you were going. And I didn't like where you were going. And now you are in a really good spot. I saw where your marriage was going. You're about to destroy that thing. And now y'all are back together. It's amazing. And Jesus directed you this way? That's amazing. If I did to my wife what you did to your wife, my wife would not have left me without killing me first. (laughs) But amazing what happened. God wants to take you to where other people can see so that you, once you have been untied, can help untie everybody else.